0: Yeah, of course a pedestrian was hit as a vigil to honor a cyclist who was hit by a hit and run driver. It's just so necessary for us to collectively name that injustice and that pain and for it to be acknowledged. This is something that's led by a community of folks who've been directly
1: impacted by traffic violence, and I think that's amazing. That's exactly what should be happening. Oh, you know, I, how did I forget that? Yes, I also um, invented a genre of book, which might be my proudest accomplishment, feminist bicycle science fiction.
2: There was a lawsuit against New York State State that streets that were not complete streets the state was liable or the city was liable for injuries on that street it's very promising that this actually happened in new york and i think it's going to change their whole street grid
0: humanizing the cyclist is a huge part of it
3: We're here with Jesse Harris on the phone, the organizing director for LACBC, LA County Bicycle Coalition. Hi there, Jesse. Hey, Hey. how's it going? Happy to be here. You've been organizing for the Justice for Wound uh, visual, what happened last night, right? Among other things?
0: Yeah, well, we're supporting the Wound Justice for South LA group with some of their organizing. So we've been having meetings. Down in South LA on a weekly basis and planning around our strategy and and how we're going to make streets safer for walking and biking and all kinds of getting around mm-hmm. uh, in that area outside of a car.
3: Right, because Fred Frazier was killed in a hit and run on the Chief Luna's ride. That's He's right. also
0: he rode in their rides. He was riding alone on the day that he was hit. Oh, um, didn't know. but. He was part of their bike family.
3: That's who Woon is.
0: That's who Woon is, yeah. He's a friend of their folks who started Woon Justice for South
3: Carolina. I also have Sean Meredith here who's been involved, right, Sean? Not uh, very heavily
4: involved. Jesse and Eden and Spencer from the Chief Loons ride um, have been doing most of the work. Jesse's also working with Trust LA. They've been nice enough to uh, kind of include me in what's going on so I can... Um, give shout-out when I when I have thoughts on how to help.
3: You actually showed up, which was nice.
4: <laughs> today, you mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've had a few invitations to come here, and it just never worked out, so I'm, I'm glad to join in today.
3: But it seems like there's a certain amount of momentum. We also have Don Ward and... Uh, Shiga in here. Hi guys. Hi guys. Hi there. And we'll open it up a little later. But there's a lot of energy around this right now. Why is that?
4: I'm inspired by. I hate to call them kids because there are a lot of them in their 20s. But I, being a dad, I. <laughs> it's great to have some new energy because you know as. Much as I worked with people, say, you know, Don and I worked with people, say, th- two, three years ago on different things, and Don worked on things with people five, ten years ago, and people get burned out. Some people can stick around um, because they have some kind of, uh, you know, maybe sadistic <laughs> things for them against themselves, but it's really hard because it's discouraging. You get strung along by City Hall and leaders saying that you're, you might get something, that we're really open to change and you put in everything. You, you organize, you have meetings, you you walk your community, you knock on doors and you do all this stuff. And then at the end of the day, a timid leader says, no, we can't do this because there's a few people mad. And sort of they're equalizing, you know, convenience of a few uh, extra seconds while driving to someone being able to get home alive. Right. It's, so, but hopefully there's some new momentum with, with wound because I mean, these young men and women are serious and they're working hard.
3: So what happened last night, Jesse?
0: Um, yeah, last night there was a rally organized. And if I could speak to the question you have before, I've been thinking a lot about why there's so much momentum around this in particular. And I think, one, this is an area that's been for a very long time underinvested. And, we, you know, like Sean was saying, we've got young folks who are certainly at an age and in a place and in a time when there's this kind of societal epiphany happening, right? People are saying, like, oh, there's a reason why people are dying of traffic violence in areas that are underinvested. And I think on top of that, the fact that the Wounds Memorial Vigil, there was a pedestrian who attended the vigil who was hit by a car on purpose, I think that brought a lot of attention to it. I right. think it was just such a meta event to happen in a city like LA. You were like, Yeah, of course a pedestrian was hit at a vigil to honor a cyclist who was hit by a hit and run driver.
3: That really made it a shocking case. Yeah. It was in the New York Times.
0: It brought a lot of attention, and I think it regalvanized a lot of folks. Like, maybe if that hadn't happened, perhaps it would have been just another cyclist who died who had a lot of angry friends, right? But I also think there's an element in which wounds mom, Beverly Owens, is just Hmm. very—she's a person, I think, who—her grief is so palpable when you talk to her and when you see her talk about her son— and, again, I think it's a perfect storm of this sort of societal epiphany about underinvestment in infrastructure and the results of it, and then this woman who's hurting, and these friends who are hurting, and it's just being like, you cannot not pay attention to us, mm-hmm. right? We're going to make you pay attention, and I think that's, that's really powerful. That's a really powerful thing, so the most recent culmination of all that energy and planning and organizing we were talking about before was last night's rally which really I have to uh, give credit to the Wound for Justice South LA group. They're the ones who are leading this thing, this movement. They're the ones who have this emotional connection to a really tragic event mm-hmm. that fuels their action. And we at LACBC saw what they were doing and saw what they were organizing and we were like, we want to get involved, but we want to support what they're doing, this isn't an LACBC thing, but this is something that's led by a community of folks who've been directly impacted by traffic violence. And I think that's amazing. That's exactly what should be happening.
3: You know, Sean was just talking about the difficulty of getting sensible traffic calming yeah anything uh bike lane the difficulty of mm-hmm. getting that put in and there was a meeting you managed to have the rally group go to with marquise dawson of the eighth mm-hmm. what district is that eight eight that's the eight yeah CD eight. how'd that go you
0: know i was busy running around just like organizing things and missed a lot of the meeting itself but the accounts that i heard were that they talked about Vision Zero and they talked about street improvements. I think that the real action happened outside when they met with the Wound Fair Justice Group and the family and friends of Wound Frazier There's a process when there's an injustice and a community of people feel a hurt from an injustice. It's just so necessary for us to collectively name that injustice and that pain and for it to be acknowledged. And I think right now the family and friends of this young man who was slain, they're wanting to have this public acknowledgement in our society that comes in through the judicial system, right? And they're asking for this public acknowledgement of their pain. Right, and they're asking for justice. But also they want those things to be acknowledged and some kind of change to resolve that collective pain. And so in that way it was really successful because it it was an opportunity to do exactly what we want government to do, right, and that is to acknowledge and and try to be in some way responsive to people's pain. And I'm I'm hoping that it's the beginning of an ongoing conversation. That this isn't just a you know one time spontaneous thing, but in order to be effective, these conversations have to keep happening. And um, my goal really is to bring that link between these huge bureaucratic and honestly really intrepid systems that we have in place and the people who are most directly impacted by under investment and, and injustice. The, those are the folks who need to be talking. They need to be sharing a table.
3: You come from a background in uh, homeless organizing.
0: Yeah, I've been in L.A. for just over five years now, and I, when I first moved here, I, I worked at the L.A. LGBT Center for a number of years, for three years, and directly with homeless youth, and then for the last year, doing sort of child welfare reform to prevent youth homelessness. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, when it comes to people who are, like you were saying, in these neighborhoods, like where Mm -hmm. the high injury network is, you're prepared, you know what to do.
0: Yeah, I mean, definitely my work with homeless youth, in a very ironic way, has kind of drawn me deeper into this world of mobility justice. We lose homeless youth to being hit by cars all the time. In fact, by my desk, In two frames, I have two pictures of youth that I was very close to who died um, in the Hollywood area where where the shelter was because they were hit by cars trying to get back to the shelter at night. You know, Highland Boulevard, Hollywood Boulevard, and, and a lot of places in South L.A. as well that are constructed for cars to be able to move fast, right, to move a high volume of cars very fast without really any acknowledgement that people are also going to be moving about these streets.
3: Mm -hmm. Marquise Dawson, is he progressive on calming infrastructure? Uh,
0: Yeah, I think he is. I mean, I think that Marquise Harris Dawson wants to improve safety for his district. Definitely, I've seen, you know, there's a complete street going on Jefferson, and that's in his district. If I'm not mistaken, some of the bike lanes going on Avalon run through his district. I think he is a person who is sensible to the need for traffic calming and to make a space for bikes which bikes you know are a marginalized population right like marginalization really is rooted in not having a specific place to exist
3: mm-hmm. there is
0: no place where you're supposed to be and so you end up making a space for yourself in a way that puts you and other people in danger and so i think marquis harris dolphin sees that for sure and mm-hmm. He's a person who wants to help improve the safety of his district.
2: Is Manchester on the high injury network?
0: It is on the high injury network. It's also in the mobility plan. Yeah.
3: And is there the is there an existing
2: plan. design that they have that the LA DOT's suggested for that street? Is in it the just mobility
0: on? plan it is slated, I believe, for a buffered bike line.
2: It's I think it's like a seven lane. Street, yeah. So they take out a lane in each direction yeah. and put in buffered bike lanes. That's good. And yeah, so- and if you
0: notice on Manchester, actually, Manchester becomes Firestone uh, as you travel east. And there's a there's a bike lane on Firestone. You can tell that the street's been recently paved and that there, there's like a really freshly striped bike lane on on Firestone. And it's the same road, right? The name changes, but not much else does. Hmm. And I don't think that there's an engineering issue with putting, putting a bike lane there. I think it, it would be a
4: political issue. Yeah we've kind of upped the ask jesse told me that the mobility plan was set up for a, a buffered bike lane and so uh but at the moment we've started asking for um and like uh the chief loons uh group has been started to ask for a full protected bike lane between yeah is it vermont
2: and
0: i think it's um central and vermont
2: it should go all the way to sepulveda <laughs> I mean, right
0: yeah that's several <laughs> that street at, um, at
2: night is very empty and uh they can afford yeah. to lose a couple lanes on that street very fast street in fact the car i don't know i did some calculations from the video and according to what i saw that car was going about 60 55 to 60 miles an hour into the intersection just before it hit Woon. Yeah. and uh, if you if you're reaching those kind of speeds at, i think what was it three o'clock or four o'clock when they yeah. when he was hit that's too fast you know and that's during rush hour. They can definitely lose some lanes and slow down the traffic there.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: The people down there, the folks who are down there who are hurting, whose friend was killed, what they want is a protected bike lane. And I really think if they're going to talk about making people feel safe, then they should honor what folks who are who have directly experienced the traffic violence there think is needed on the street. Like, I think that's that should be a basic principle of planning. But. Maybe that's a whole other conversation. Yeah.
4: I mean, it's, I mean, it's I, the, the thing for <laughs> pedestrians where you can get those, when you get a, a protected bike lane like that, that really helps with that crossing distance. Hmm.
0: Uh, right. They know that it would be difficult to lose parking because they do allow parking outside of rush hour. And so it would be open to the idea of like a parking protected bike lane. Mm-hmm. You know, like Sean was saying, there's, there's some young, fresh ideas happening here and, uh, you know, there's this emotional connection, but also these guys are smart and, and they're, yeah. they're strategizing and they're getting good at, at asking directly for what they want.
4: When people in power often see people on bikes, they're seeing people in wealthier neighborhoods and they look at the, those bicyclists often um, who may be traveling around during the day as people who are uh, choosing bikes as an option and they sort of can dismiss it like any other anti-bike person. But when you really start to put a face on people who are economically challenged and need to get around and you know, I remember mm-hmm. seeing Steve Lopez's video piece where he spent a day talking with a lot of people, you know, in South LA who's, you know, a guy in his sixties or so who's, you know, rides around and fixes bikes and has never owned a car in his life and so it's uh Wow You know, I think our our leaders need to see those people who don't we, have we, cars as having mobility safe, safe it's, mobility. It's so
2: funny too because 15 years ago, bike riders were definitely seen as like second class, third class, poor people, working class. And it's so funny to hear that yeah. that bikes are now seen as like a bougie <laughs> form of transportation. Yeah. I don't, I think it's uh, uh-huh. maybe a little bit of gaslighting coming from uh, politicians like Gil Cedillo or whatever, but the majority of folks riding bikes are still working class and... Mm. And poor folks.
4: They often don't see them because a lot of those people are going to work really early in the morning. They're the last people to get off of work.
2: Mm -hmm. I think that
0: there's also an issue here where a lot of folks, a lot of low-income folks of color who depend on bikes to get around are the last folks who would identify as a cyclist, right? And so I think there's also an organizing issue here where if people don't see themselves as cyclists, they're not necessarily being vocal about the kinds of, like, in- infrastructure improvements that are needed in their area. I think about this all the time, how, you know, folks on the west side, one of the big goals with the west side cyclists has been finished completing the North Northvale Gap. That's, like, just over a half-mile segment of the Expo Line bike lane that has been incomplete for, for years. But then if you go down to the southeast cities, they have one bike lane, and it's so poorly maintained. That I did a bike ride there once and got three flats within like <laughs> I kid, I kid you not I'm not even I can't even make this stuff up I got three flats in like ten minutes we had to, we were like all right let's do a different route we uh, cannot ride on this one bike lane uh, but the folks down there don't necessarily because they don't identify with this cohesive identity of like we are cyclists and we deserve good infrastructure they're not necessarily yeah,
2: that's a good point because uh, for that right you know it's yeah, like growing up like in L A like, like taking the bus insurance? when you when right. you're taking the bus yeah. like. I remember the bus riders union when it first formed and they were passing out flyers. I was like, I don't want to be known as a bus rider. I don't want like, why are people proud of riding the bus? This sucks. And there's that same feeling I have, uh, you know, in, (laughs) in, people riding their bike to work at 2 and you know coming back from work at 2 in the morning would much rather right. be, be in a driving car. a car. Yeah, yeah, hey Jesse,
3: you mentioned you wanted to make a zine about getting a bike lane like, because you said the process is really not clear about how you would get a bike lane in your neighborhood even in the wake of something like what happened to Woon. Right. So yeah, I exactly. I happen to have uh, an interview scheduled already with Ellie Ellie Blue who's an author. Hi Ellie. Hi. And Hi El- Ellie,
1: how's it going? Good. Good to meet you in person or in voice.
0: Yeah, it's good to meet you vocally, which is like the closest you come to in person in the 21st century without actually, you know, getting up and going to see each other. Yeah. <laughs> you know right? <laughs>
3: So, Ellie, <laughs> some of the books that you've wrote, you wrote Bikeonomics. Would you call that your, like, flagship book? or?
1: Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I never used that term, but now I'm going <laughs> to start. Thank you. Yeah.
3: <laughs> You're welcome. And then you also have a zine, but you also wrote, oh, well, Bike Equity is a series of uh, essays.
1: It's a compilation. It's actually an issue of my zine, and it has essays by, I think, about 12, 13 different people, including some from L.A.
3: Tamika Butler, for example. Yeah. yeah,
1: Tamika and Adonia Lugo wrote about being uh-huh. one of the co-founders of C. Clavia. Yeah,
0: I'm reading um, it right now, actually. I'm about halfway through. I'm really appreciative of the essays. And I said something earlier, I should give credit to the author whose name I do not recall, but earlier we were talking about sort of acknowledging and addressing collective pain and injustice felt by communities impacted by traffic violence. And that actually was, the concept is something that came into my head the other day when I was reading one of the essays, I think it's called, like, My Haunting, something like mm-hmm. that, and it's like a pun on the word Han. I, found, I thought it was yeah. a really powerful essay, I thought it was really good.
1: Yeah, that one is by Dojin Lee, who um, is an incredibly powerful writer, and he connects his sort of family history of trauma with the trauma of riding the streets as sort of a disenfranchised mm-hmm. cyclist. and. I love that because it's like, I feel like it really represents the power of what writing can do and what zines can do to like, you know, everybody who talks to me about reading the zine is like, that one made me feel something. And I think that your idea of making a zine, is like, you can inform people and you can really make them feel something. And I do think that can change things.
3: Well, there you go. You've got your encouragement. Are you going to make a zine, Jesse?
1: Yeah, I'm
0: absolutely going to make a zine. You know, my thoughts were always to make it in like sort of an old-fashioned way of like, you take the piece of paper, you fold it long ways and then fold it yeah. two ways, short way, you know, and then cut it in the middle. I like that form of making a zine because of how transmittable it is, right? You take that, you can mm-hmm. unfold it and make copies of it and then pass it around. And you can edit it pretty easily, right, because you're not, like, sending it off to get, like, bound. And, you know, it's not as intensive of a process. So that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, you know, having input from a bunch of different sources. You know, we've been doing a lot of work. Recently with uh, L.A. Community Action Network, who have been working to get bike lanes in Skid Row. Uh, you might have heard last Friday it was voted. It went to the full city council. It was approved to be added to the mobility plan, so that's exciting.
3: Uh, oh, the bike lanes on Skid Row. getting
0: input from different sources about, yeah, on Skid Row, on 5th and 6th Streets between Central and Main. If you look at a map of the bike lanes in L.A., in downtown L.A., you'll yeah. see, actually, there's a lot of bike lanes in the downtown area, but they all skip over Skid Row which has a huge amount of people who depend on biking and walking to get around, right? right? Yet you have these like wide open lanes that are made for like transmitting warehouse goods or something, right? Again, it's like infrastructure that doesn't acknowledge the existence of people walking and biking in the area. Right. Getting perspectives from different folks who've been working on trying to get bike lanes and you know are interested in Sharing that experience, like what was difficult, what was easy, how, who do you organize, how do you organize, who do you ask, right? Like that, mm-hmm. that sort of thing that I think a lot of folks run into, and there's really no guide, there's no succinctive process. It's almost like they don't want people to get bike lanes.
1: <laughs> it would make them like <laughs> <sense>.
3: <laughs> so, Ellie, you're in Portland, right?
1: I am, I'm in Portland, Oregon,
3: and so you okay, so. <laughs> That's why I'm not
1: there with you in the room. Sorry right. about that.
3: But it's probably different in Portland. I mean, we think of Portland as just all you do is call up your 311 and ask for a bike lane, and then it comes the next week.
1: <laughs> the bike lane ferry comes and leaves their magic wand. Yeah. Um, wow. No, you know, there's a lot of processes for citizen engagement in transportation and other kinds of issues in Portland, and I don't fully understand, honestly, how it all works our city government is very big on, like, having these sort of listening sessions where they hear citizen feedback, and I don't honestly know how much of that is translated into action. Um, Right. It seems like all the things that actually happen come about because somebody who works in, Mm -hmm. like, transportation planning or in the traffic department kind of gets a bee in their bonnet and goes a little bit rogue, and there's enough sort of radical people working there that things do happen um, and the best way to make something happen in Portland honestly seems to be to be friends with one of those people and like talk to them about it over um, a year hmm. so it's not like it's totally different here and the process is not actually transparent and you know there probably is a better way than that that's just one of the ways that I've yeah. seen change happening I don't know if you can do I that do in I think LA. it's a real
0: problem that people don't know how to do that right like that there's not mm-hmm. a laid out process for like hey, my friend, or I myself was hit by a car on the street, and I think it needs a bike lane. When can I get someone to come out and put in a bike? I'll be home between the hours of 6 and 12 on Thursday. You know what I mean? Like, I, There mm-hmm. should be something like that, right? It shocked me when I first started working at the Bike Coalition because I had no idea how difficult. I even mm-hmm. I called the Bureau of Street Services like sometime in my first couple of months there, and I was like, hey, is this the number I called to request a bike lane? <laughs> but, they were
1: I mean, like, what do you want? <laughs> they were like, eh, no, nah, not really. but yeah i mean
0: there should be some way to request something like that right like it's kind of shocking that there that there isn't something like that doesn't exist yet like if you have a pothole right if you if there's something some part of the infrastructure that's going to affect a car if someone was like well whoa there's this huge intersection here and it's got you know no light i'm not saying that someone's going to come out and put in a light but it would be a huge concern right like people would at least at the very least a pothole you can request to get filled and you know, your neighborhood Mm -hmm. council gets a truck and they'll come out and they'll fill the hole, but there's no such related process to get like safety infrastructure for people walking and biking. And that's a real shame. Uh, That is a real
6: shame. I
3: think Don Ward has a comment or question. You can use the
2: three one one app to report things like that. Like places that that could use like crosswalk Mm -hmm. uh, infrastructure and so forth. If enough people do it, they, they do sometimes actually respond to it. A friend of mine, uh, Alexis Lance, who actually used to work for the LA CBC, um, I saw her write about a 311 uh, request that she put in for the crosswalk over at Silver Lake and uh, Temple. And they actually ended up putting in uh, those poles to bollards. bollards. Yeah, they put in some Bollards and actually made that a safer crosswalk. Kind of incredible. But. Enough people actually so it's three one one. You can. I was joking, but it's it's three one one. Yeah, the app. <laughs> Do the app. Is that
0: real? <laughs> so, like, if you go to three one one enough times, they'll come in and put in a bike lane, regardless of the any of the political.
6: Maybe, I
2: mean, maybe, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I have a feeling if you actually, you know, I've I've had thoughts to organize like three one one hits uh, around a particular you know, infrastructure problem and see what happens. But I've seen people actually do it and get results.
4: There was the really bad hit and run at the Los Feliz Silver Lake border at between the Gelsons and Trader Joe's like a month ago where someone mm-hmm. ran a red light in the center turn lane. And was just, that a hit and run? Yeah, it was hit and run. Mm. They figured out who the what the car was and who the driver was, but because no one has that facial ID that there's been no arrests. And so the guy, I don't know if the guy, I think the guy died or maybe he's in critical condition. But so we had, a uh, oh. so I met with the transportation head for Silver Lake Neighborhood Council, one of the co-chairs of the committee. One of his ideas was just to start calling in constantly for yeah. doing 311 yeah. for speeding constantly. But yeah. it sort of seems like that's a temporary thing I, if you're I not willing to if the neighborhood council isn't willing to ask for anything else that's really not quite enough
2: it's a multi-pronged multi-prong approach and the way that we used to get things done in this town was a lot of pitchforking and showing up to city council and making public comment talking to the L A D. O T, doing the neighborhood councils a lot of that movement has sort of subsided but um once upon a time making a lot of squeaky wheel noises actually got things done in this town i'm inspired by what these guys are doing with the wound action i mean that's exactly what needs to happen to get things done we need to get back to that level having
1: having like media visibility on the street of activists and people telling their story i mean that's there's no better way to actually get a bike lane built than that but it's definitely not plug and play
2: media is one part but you got to actually show up to the public meetings and and just talk and eventually some of the politicians actually listen hitting that 311 app it's it's got to be coming from all angles but yeah media we we don't have enough media going on around this stuff and a lot of the media is bad mm. so Jesse,
3: what have you got so far yeah. so it's 311 beer yes
2: yeah, <laughs> 311
3: and um <laughs> beer talking uh, yeah having a beer well if that's portland oh and talking to your um yeah
0: the good old fashioned you know hitting the pavement and bending some ears I definitely think that humanizing the cyclist is a huge part of it it's unfortunate that people not only assume that if you're a cyclist that that means you're low-income but I feel like the real unfortunate implication is that if you're low-income your life doesn't matter as much and so Uh we don't need to build bike lanes for you or slow traffic for you absolutely like a lot of our tasks is humanizing the cyclist, just like what we've seen happen with other movements. If your family member or your friend is a member of an oppressed group, then you get a lot more sympathetic to their plight, right? If your son or your father depends on a bike to get around, you're much more likely to be an advocate for a bike lane than someone who thinks they don't know any cyclists, right? So I think it's important that we get our faces out there and we get our stories out there, just like Ellie was saying, right? I'm I'm definitely a champion of the storytelling as a device for change, and in fact, it's the only device that's ever worked, right We have to be able to yeah. relate to each other's stories in order to think that our
3: Ugh.
0: separate but related flights are worth fighting for.
3: Jesse, do you feel like we've got your message out?
0: Yeah, thanks for having me on.
3: This is uh, a strong start for you as organizing director of the CBC
1: Thanks so much. I appreciate that
3: you're sure and so Ellie, can you just tell us all the things that we can read of yours out there?
1: Uh, I don't have it prepared so I can rattle them off like an auctioneer I might. but um <laughs> the most right, recent one is is this zine, Bike Waday. It was great to meet you. Before that, there was an issue called Therapy, which was people's stories of grief and loss and healing by bicycle. There was the book Bikenomics, which I wrote in 2013, I think, and a new edition came out a couple of years ago. Um, That one definitely has made the biggest splash. I wrote a little book called Everyday Bicycling, which is like bicycle transportation advice for people who want to do it or want to do it better. Uh, Let's see, I've put out a bunch of issues of my zine Taking the Lane, and the next one actually comes out in August. It's called True Trans Bike Rebel. It's all stories of trans and non-binary and genderqueer cyclists. Wow. I'm super excited about that one.
3: Did you mention uh, intersectional feminist bicycle science fiction stories?
1: Oh, you know, I, how did I forget that? Yes, I also uh, invented a genre of book, which might be my proudest accomplishment, Feminist Bicycle Science Fiction. And hmm. the fifth uh, collection of those stories is coming out later this year, in the fall.
3: And so your website, there is that where somebody would go to start browsing?
1: If you go to um, takingthelane.com, that's probably the best collection of all the books that I've got out there in the world.
3: Uh, Keep an eye out for all of the multitudinous (laughs) works that keep coming from you.
1: There's more ones all the time, and I'm always looking for um, submissions. And honestly, once taking the lane number fifteen comes out, I don't have a plan for number sixteen. So if anyone's like, I know what I want a feminist bicycle theme to be about, they should get
3: in touch with me and let me know. All right, cool. So Jesse's might be in there.
1: Yeah, Jesse's might be in there. That would be amazing.
3: Thanks for being on, Ellie.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. Great to talk to you. A
0: cycling bicycle
5: that moves through the trees like a dream. Then the wheels go round and the trees
0: stop moving. Suddenly she's
5: gone.
3: on the line we have michael fishman of pure cycles how are you doing good how are you doing great i wanted to talk to you because pure cycles is involved in a lot of advocacy in the bike world in los angeles and you're the president and co-founder right that's right yeah and you also have some pretty cool bikes yeah
5: thanks man i
3: know you have a new electric bike
5: that's right yeah we have been working on electric bikes for the past three or four years and Launched our first one last year called the Volta. And it's uh, really based on being the ultimate commuter bike and I had some really good success with it and we just are about to launch a new cargo electric bike for more people who are looking to commute with their kids or go to the grocery store or just haul a bunch of stuff.
3: Cool. Some people think that's cheating riding an electric bike but it's really good for society because it gets more people on bikes. One yeah, less I car. Believe,
5: I believe so, yeah. I hope at least people are over the whole uh, riding an electric bike is cheating. It's really just... Looking at it in a better lens is just seeing that it has the ability to replace car trips and get more people on bikes. So I think those are the two biggest points. There's a ton of people out there who think taking their bike to work is just not possible because they don't want to arrive sweaty or they have stuff to carry and they don't want to do it on a normal bike, but the electric bike still gets people outside. It allows them to arrive at work without sweating and it replaces cars on the streets. So I think it, when you look at it from that perspective and you actually go and test ride one, it's a game changer. For our company and our electric bikes, You know, they're all pedal assists. So you're still riding. You're still putting in the work.
2: I was uh, kind of one, one of those like, haters at first, but I've come around. You know what Los Angeles really needs is a scooter and electric bike and two-wheel revolution, yeah. motorized two yeah. wheels. Can you imagine if... All that traffic you saw out there was just people riding scooters and electric bikes and so forth. We wouldn't need all this space for cars.
4: Our problem was a few broken bones instead of just endless death.
2: Yeah.
5: Yeah.
4: it would be
5: genius, man. People wouldn't be so fat. Oh, my gosh. It would would be
2: glorious. No fat shaming. No fat shaming.
7: Yeah. I would would Uh, say. Obese. I mean, gas bikes. Gas bikes are really.
5: I I would say obese. But just it would be promote exercise. Yeah. But it would be like it would be like Europe. It would be like Amsterdam or Rotterdam. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah, you know, in LP, Europe you LP LP see you see like people on scooters everywhere, and they look normal. They're wearing their business suits. Or there's women on scooters, and it just. It looks normal. What What is going on in Los Angeles that we can't do that? We have beautiful weather here. Yeah,
7: doesn't make any sense.
4: If I'm commuting to downtown and I've just showered for work and then I'm immediately then getting on my bike and having to like just even like the little climb up from Silver Lake up to Echo Park, it's like 75 degrees, you start to sweat. It's nice to have that little assist maybe. I'm not sure if I'll ever get an electric bike, but it uh, uh, sounds like a good idea for anybody who wants to kind of get a little help on the hills.
2: It sounds like if you run out of a charge, you're going to be sweating a lot though because those things are heavy, aren't they?
4: I don't know, yeah. yeah can but, you talk about, like, yeah, so about sure, how many, about can you tell us a little bit about the can you tell us a little bit about the capacity and like how much of a charge it, like how much electricity it takes and how what you kinda get out of it?
5: Yeah, for sure. So every, every bike is different and you know, it's just like planning for your day when you have your car and how much gas you have and if you're gonna need to go to the gas station or not. Every electric bike has different range, both of our bikes. It's the
4: Volta has different levels to
5: it yeah so like the voltage we advertise goes up to 40 miles if you're riding it in the eco mode which is like the slowest mode you can get up to 40 miles and mm-hmm. if you're riding it in the power mode which everyone those people ride in that mode you get up to 20 miles
2: <laughs> hmm, that uh, and bad. it takes
5: only about two hours to charge so ride
2: uh, to work try uh, to plug uh, it in
5: that's exa- yeah, exactly right you know most people's commutes are less than 20 miles so it's completely realistic mm-hmm. um, so is a full
2: charge uh, like
4: a mm-hmm. kilowatt hour or not quite or
5: whoa <laughs> I, I, well, as far as to, like the input like does, yeah
4: like if it charges in two hours how many watts is flowing into it when it's charging
5: that's a good question I don't have the answer to I don't that's even cool. know so how many weird. watts well, are well, in my thighs we're using a 250 watt motor but if what you're getting at like it's like you can plug the bike into a normal yeah, yeah. outlet exactly, just yeah. like your iPhone, if that's what you're doing. No, so no, speak- yeah, speaking yeah, just, of I just iPhones... I didn't know if it was like if you charge
4: it for two hours and it's like a 100-watt bulb. Yeah, it's kind of good. It's like it's the it, same as a 100-watt bulb. You, you need know?
2: to come up with a way to sort of equate it so that people can... Put, put that in their head like miles per gallon like electric cars oh, have this heard. like mpge yeah, MPG, yeah. yeah and yeah. so you oh 200 miles per gallon yeah how does that relate to bikes i don't know we're like helping one you thing, with your marketing here <laughs> I, yeah and w- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how does it work after a year is it going to be like my iphone and it's going to like run out of charge before i get out the door in the morning because i'm on facebook too much or how does this go yeah does the
4: bike <laughs> have well, facebook you know
5: we're <laughs> we're, 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 we're we haven't please <laughs> no <laughs> of of putting software into the bike that makes it, like, perform worse so that there's, like, planned obsolescence. And I don't think, (laughs) as long as I'm running the company, we'll we'll, we'll never do that. Um, But, like, with any lithium-ion battery, you know, depending on how well you take care of it and where you store it and how much you use it, the use is, is really the main wild card there. You know, we warranty our bikes for two years, which is more than what most people do for batteries. So the bike will last, if heavy use, um, I would say about three to five years. The battery, cool. and a replacement battery is around three hundred dollars. So it's not like a crazy thing. How much is the bike itself? Yeah,
4: like what? Like the most popular Volta like model? Like what? How much does that generally go for? It's
5: two thousand.
2: Mm, okay. okay, that's
4: that's so so a premium still, but it's
5: features. a real deal. Yeah, it's a lot of interesting features on it. You know, it's, <laughs> that, that it's still cheaper it's than the $1, crazy $1, carbon a lot of these dudes ride. Like yeah. uh, you know, how have much to, are yeah, electric
2: have, motorcycles? How much yeah. that was going like 10,000 I think, 10,000. 10, yeah. yeah, so that's a good halfway point between bikes and motorcycles.
5: Yeah,
7: I think one of the great things about electric bikes is that they make distances sort of become a little bit less relevant, you know, like if I have to ride 3 miles, that's like a median, but I've had the experience of riding an electric bike and it totally eliminated any distance fear that I had. It was less about the sweating, it was more like, oh, I got to ride from Silver Lake to Burbank. Boom! you know I'll take the electric bike and nice. you know I mean the electric bike motor cut out at like 28 miles an hour so I rode everywhere 28 miles an hour <laughs> which is pretty fast that's
2: and pretty that's fast. if you if you really get into the science of the traffic grid that is higher than the average speed you can really achieve even in a car yeah you know
7: so, I got there faster by bike great point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah you know the other great thing about any electric vehicle is that it doesn't spew garbage into the air that everybody's got to breathe yeah. so you know fewer cars that dump fine minute particulate matter into the air that we all breathe is a great thing
2: or at least a lot less since that all happens at the electric charging station which of course
4: yeah but charging a a bike that weighs uh 30 pounds or whatever it is electric bike compared to uh, three thousand pounds of a car
2: and plus electricity like you don't have to have a big rig transporting fuel and all that stuff transported by wires it's much more
7: less lossy but i've heard the calculation that like a 250 watt Electric bike actually to move you around consumes less energy than your own body <laughs> consumes when you eat calories. food because when you eat food you, to grow the food takes so energy the measurement food. for yeah. b-
2: for electric bikes is burritos per mile. Yeah, burritos per our, our, our,
7: our own bag. muscles
4: are obsolete <laughs> compared to electric bike as far as like calories and energy. Something
2: like that. <laughs> I don't know. yeah. It's, yeah. There, <laughs> there's something there. I still am gonna eat burritos. So. Yeah.
4: Your company, though, is also involved in uh, advocacy stuff?
5: Yeah, it's been our mission since the beginning to really make sure that we're getting involved in the community and uh, within the bicycle industry to make safer streets everywhere and be using our resources, whether that's donating money, percentage of sales to organizations like People for Bikes or the BPSA, which is Bicycle Product Suppliers Association, or donating our time, doing history fly-ins to Washington, D.C. and lobbying over there, and just putting our effort out there to make the world a better place by way of the bike. It's been really a fun part of the job over the past seven years of just meeting different people in the Los Angeles community and also all over the world and see what they're doing to make the world better by bike. And it's definitely been an important part of the company, and all of our employees have gotten behind it by doing stuff like these events with People for Bikes called Draft, which we host at our office, which Don spoke at before, and just connecting people and showing the Los Angeles community that there's other people out there who are also passionate about the bike.
7: Does does Draft have something to do with beer?
2: (laughs) It does, yeah.
5: yeah. So it's an event that advocacy organization, People for Bikes, started, and it involves free beer, free tacos, and then a whole host of speakers, um, usually about four or five. Um, that come and do TED-style talks and just educate uh, people who are at the event with what they're doing in the bike space.
7: How do we find out about future events like that?
5: Yeah, follow us on social media, on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. We're always posting about it. Follow People for Bikes Draft as well on social media and join the People for Bikes Grassroots Army. If any listeners aren't a member of it, it's free. Basically, their whole entire mission is, To be lobbying government, uh, uh, local and national, and and making sure that transportation money is getting spent not just for cars, but for bikes, and making sure that if there are any crazy laws that are trying to be pushed through in local or national places, that people are aware of it, and nothing just skirts
4: by. I don't know if the big bike companies like Giant or Specialized or any of those, they sponsor rides, they sponsor events, they even have nonprofits for supporting recreational cycling and sort of long-distance cycling and that kind of thing, and so it's great what you're doing. So it'd be good if even more companies would step up and try to make cycling safer, because a lot of people just are totally frightened. And even, you know, even hardcore cyclists these days in Los Angeles, if you've been riding 10, 15 years or whatever, you still like, you know, you'd love to be able to tell everyone you know to ride, but it's... I'm even hesitant to tell people to ride because I don't want them to freaking
2: know, die.
7: No. Blame you. And,
4: <laughs> uh, and, but it's sort of the people who are out there. It's uh, We're kind of almost fighting for others than ourselves because we're so used to the way it is.
2: You know, in New York, I guess this was last year. I'm reading about this on Streets Blog. There was a class action lawsuit against the city of New York and other municipalities in the state that streets that were not complete streets, the state was liable or the city was liable for injuries on that street. And to me, that's huge. And I wish somehow folks like Purefix and some of the other industry you know, advocates could get together and somehow file a lawsuit in California that does the same thing. And it's, it's very promising that this actually happened in New York and I think it's gonna change their whole street grid. Eventually, it's sad that meaning. only
4: it's sad, but true that yeah, only, it and cool. only suing for money sometimes or change is the only way to get. It's like politicians get to hide behind the the judge is making us do it.
2: Yeah, or the experts at the LADOT say that this isn't you know the way to go, and they have a lot of cover. But if you file a lawsuit, they have to actually do things most of the time, yeah, except that it, time they I steamrolled really us on period, But whatever. <laughs>
4: cool, man. Good to meet you, Michael.
5: Yeah, good to meet you guys too. The guys I already know. And, uh, When's the next draft? Happy to support the next draft. We're actually going to do at Ciclavia. Uh We're going to do it a little bit different this time. And the next Cyclavia is in September. Ooh, that's the, September. That's, that's the big one. That's the sunset harmonic. one. Yeah,
2: from uh, Hollywood do Bowl check. to uh, downtown. So, like,
5: it is the ninth.
4: Great. Yeah. Uh,
5: cool man all
2: right well thank you very much yeah, Michael. We thanks. appreciate thanks, it Michael. Michael. all right Michael. good luck with electric bikes
4: take it easy Thanks.
5: thank you guys Bye.
2: we just took over bike talk
7: claude you have a, a thing going on yeah i guess we we're going to open to any bike related maintenance questions now all right okay so phones are open a, if anybody's got phones a bike are open everyone has a bike question you know we can try to answer i mean i'm people have Called me like Do we a, have a caller out there like that whisper. has a question about bikes? Yeah, I think, you know, if we have a caller... Oh, oh, oh I hear the oh, phone oh, ring. Oh,
2: there it goes. Yes, hi. 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 Hi, how are Welcome you? to uh, Bike Talk.
6: Thank you. I have a question. I fixed a flat, and after I did that, when I biked, the tire bump.
7: It's probably caused by the tube and the tire not being correctly seated on the rim. So after you put everything back together... And you try to get the tube inside the tire as evenly Mm -hmm. as possible. Just put Mm -hmm. a little bit of air in and make sure that the tire's on there straight before you fully pump it up.
4: How did you get this flat? I
6: don't actually know it probably was glass or something
4: Gotcha
7: And I be mean, very careful
2: when you're up. out there feeling for the glass cuz you could cut yourself <laughs> No this yeah, is but a thing. Yeah
4: cuz you don't want to leave it in there either
2: Yeah you got to find it yeah. You got to rub yeah, around yeah. in there and see where it is
7: You always have to find out what caused the flat because yeah. if, you if you don't if you don't find out what caused the flat then you're just likely to get another flat.
2: It's going to come back like chucky.
7: Yeah, and sometimes okay. it's like a micro sliver of a little shaving of yeah. metal that you you can't see it until you go out in bright sunlight and turn the tire inside out and and uh-huh. inspect it with like a magnifying glass yeah. and you find that critter in there, you know. Yeah. And if
4: you're if you're underinflated, uh-huh. you have a, you can sometimes get a much better chance of letting something get pushed through that can puncture the tire into the tube. Or, a or, flat, or, yeah. or when you get the pinch, pinch flats, flats yeah. which are a pain to even try to
6: patch because yeah, they're no. like in two places.
7: Yeah, so you I can't, did, did not
6: look at the tire. Yeah. Okay, so I should do that. Did you have any other uh, questions?
7: Was Was there anything else?
6: I'm considering getting a mountain bike. I just have a regular ladies bike. But I was considering getting a mountain bike oh. and I've been looking.
2: Why a mountain what, bike? What do you want This, you is, my, use this it for? is my personal pet peeve. What do you want? Yeah, what do you want yeah, to yeah, yeah, use it for? What makes you desire a mountain Mountains.
6: like well, I thought I should try to not only ride streets, but out on All right,
4: mountains. that's a good answer. There's also cross bikes. They're not quite as... They're easy. a hybrid. Yeah, they're are, kind are imbis- of...
7: Tires are thinner. Are you a very active cyclist? I mean, No, you uh,
6: no absolutely not. Uh-huh. But I've been trying to look on Craigslist to see if I could find something, and I've been out a couple of times, and they sort of are not the right hmm. thing. So yeah. I was wondering about fit. If, um,
7: size size, and fit? If I
6: see a bike and I go out and it doesn't fit, how do I
7: know well, if it
6: fits me or is there a way it's, I could know? There's actually
7: it's, a website. Yeah, there's tons of ways to know, but yeah. it's a very case-by-case basis. But which website were you thinking about, Don? Uh,
2: there's a website. I was just mm. linking somebody to Let me see if I can find yeah, it. Yeah, there. there's, there's
7: a bunch of good – if you look up bike fit, you know that helps you. Yeah, um, on Google there's uh-huh. one where you can enter your your inseam and Yeah, here it is hold on. So Yeah I mean, if
6: I find a bike I can ask the person to measure
7: The critical measurements really are the are the distance between the seat and the and the handlebars that's sort of the most critical measurement for fit Okay if you know the truth. okay so that's but,
6: what I should ask Yeah but <laughs> people but to measure. you know uh-huh. you,
7: you need to have a baseline to judge it against also you know like newer bikes typically have a label on them that indicates the size of who they're made for so I would also, okay. you know, if it was a newer bike you're looking at, I would look for that label. But if you have a bike that you're comfortable riding, you feel like fits you well, take a tape measure to it and start to measure the distance between the center of the seat and the grips, the handlebars, or the center of the stem that holds onto the handlebars, and get okay. an idea of what that length is and what's comfortable for you. You but know, it's that,
6: also set on the sides, I guess, with that, that's the a good point you are and...
2: A lot of people, they, they mainly focus on the distance from the seat to the pedals, but reach is a big deal. I mean, yeah. if you don't have a good, comfortable distance between the seat and your handlebars, yeah. you can have a really yeah, rough exactly. ride.
6: Yeah, that's, exactly. That's what I've been feeling when I've been trying those bikes. That there, wasn't
2: there's a calculator online. Uh, mm-hmm. It's on competitivecyclist.com. Yes, if you yeah, just go to Google one. and you look up uh, competitive cyclist bike fit calculator, you uh-huh. um, should be able to get to the one. Do lake. they have
4: a different one between mountain bikes and,
2: and yeah, there's, there's bikes? Yeah, they're going to ask you the question right up front, what Got kind you. of bike you are, whether you're a male or a female, what kind of bike you're looking to get. And uh, oh. you know, I was going to mention earlier, my my biggest pet peeve with everybody that I know that, that gets into bike riding the first thing they do is they think, "Oh, I'm going to get a mountain bike because you know LA has a bunch of potholes and uh, oh, you know, yeah. riding off mm. curbs." Yeah. And That's the right. the reality is, is, a mountain bike is twice as hard. You, you're going no half good. the speed for yeah. twice the energy expelled. Yeah, it's yeah. better to get a commuter yeah. bike or yeah. a road it's, bike.
7: Yeah, it's not for the street. Although I love old old rigid mountain bikes, make great commuters. I would say. You know. You think it so? with uh-huh. slicks on them? Yeah. slick tires? Yeah, they
4: don't have the really heavy shock system.
2: Yeah, that shocks. Be old, old rigid yeah. Mountain, yeah. But there's nothing like an upright Dutch bike for riding around. Yeah, yeah, I mean Dutch style.
7: yeah hmm But <laughs> but if but if you have a friend that is you know knowledgeable about bike sizing and you could take them with you if you're thinking of buying a bike off Craigslist. there's Yeah, there's, that's what
6: I have been thinking. Yeah, I, mean, I haven't been that's, looking at that it. That in
7: that in itself is a is kind it's of art. A, <laughs> yeah. It's a it's like playing the numbers. It's a lottery. And yeah. and there's actually a great little piece on advising what to look for on uh, Cocoa's Coco's Varieties website on looking at bikes on Craigslist. Ooh, that's uh-huh. a great
2: shop. That that yeah. shop's worth just going into and letting those yeah. guys kind of
7: tell you yeah,
2: it's great what shop. Uh, what they have. They oh, have a lot Riverside? of used bikes at the yeah, uh, Rivers- yeah, Riverside by Fletcher. Great shop. So mm-hmm. you find all kinds of obscure parts in there too. Yeah, it's that's very good. quirky. Yeah, yeah and fun. And I love okay. I love the Instagram too.
7: Yeah, they're good. If you're gonna buy it off Craigslist and you don't know that much about bikes take somebody with you that knows because (laughs) because you can you can get a lot of times you know there's something wrong with the bike that you don't notice like something's bent you know the frame's bent or you know and (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you know the people that are selling it may not even know you know i mean
2: this is great advice i mean i've been riding bikes my whole life and especially a Uh lot in the last 10 years i don't buy anything unless i run it by my friend tony z who's like an expert tony z yeah Yeah. i I usually be like hey Uh is this thing good because i don't know anything about bike parts yeah be like, yep, that's good. Yeah. You know? yeah. And you can usually mm-hmm. trust like – Tony uh, Z. Tony Z, you can usually – tr- he does have some crazy things that he I does. I think he's but. also
7: a great wheel builder. Oh, so he, yeah.
2: I only have Tony Z <laughs> build my wheels. Yeah, he's wow, a great wheel For builder. 10 years now. And I have wheels that I've ridden to death, and it still yeah. hasn't gone out of true that Tony yeah. Z built. Yeah. So – uh uh-huh. we but might as well give you tony z's number
7: actually yeah. here he's he's uh <laughs> Put there. I, I, I saw him riding a bike and the, the brand of the bike was antonio <laughs> i think uh-huh. it was a custom job nice if i remember correctly you just
2: can't allow him to take up too much time telling you about his crazy inventions because uh, no. that's, that's an endless quest okay i
6: guess i will find somebody to come with me cool. and i will investigate but uh thanks for the advice and right.
2: you're um, welcome
4: Thanks for calling thanks, in. Yeah, thanks yeah, for no, calling it's amazing in. Amazing
2: that, yeah. you know. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> All Take right.
4: Care. Another person Another saved. Another satisfied customer. <laughs> <laughs> Another, uh, so I guess uh, we're wrapping up uh, Bike Talk No this more callers afternoon. out there? I
3: don't think. Okay. Thank you guys right. for coming on. Oh, Sean wait. We, I wanted to share
2: the, share the news, mm-hmm. the oh. striking news that's Bike Talk related. Yeah. There's news? Yeah, yeah, news. Big news. Serious news? Wow. In advocacy, yes. Serious news. That's good. According to Damian Newton, who is the uh, editor in chief of Streets Blog, I believe that's what his role is, today he posted on Facebook an Argonaut news article that proclaimed that the recall effort against Mike Bonin is fizzled out and done. And uh, I'd say, what, five months ago, we had uh, Alexis Edelstein, the leader of the – one of the leaders of the recall on this show, and we talked to him for about two hours and really uh, – You know just discussed what he was doing the the effect it was having and and i think we had a pretty good conversation where at the end of the conversation i think that he saw our point of view a little bit and hearing that this recall effort against the councilman who installed you know safe street designs on venice boulevard um hearing that that recall is now appears to be done That's great news. That is great news, and and
3: you're saying it may have happened because of a bike talk interview. Well, you know, we were part
2: we were part of the uh, coalition, right? The part of the voices in his head, but but the recall
4: certainly sizzled, fizzled. Excuse me, fizzled. Fizzled. Opposite, it sizzled then fizzled.
2: (laughs) It it kind of had legs when it was on that John and Ken show.
4: Yeah, maybe it was just they didn't uh, raise the money. They didn't have resources to get the signatures.
2: Honestly, I think it was being on John and Ken, like those guys. Uh, shock jock turd burglars that they are or whatever (laughs) i don't know you've been on that show right (laughs) i've been on that (laughs) show a couple times and they will rip you apart it's it's a tough show (laughs) to be on they definitely hammered away at that and uh they have a pretty large audience of angry people out there that i'm sure at first donated and then They're not going to do a show every week about the, you know, bike lanes. Like they'd look like a little crazy if they did that. But uh, I think once their show stopped covering it, a lot of the momentum died.
4: You know, there's a parallel between uh, Trump pointing at people at the back of a rally saying those are the worst people on the fucking earth excuse me that's those are the worst people <laughs> on earth um you look at them turn around look at those people they think they're right and, and, the, sa- and the same thing about people who are s- demanding we take out safe streets it's sort of like okay you win you take out the safe streets and then like a kid gets run over by an suv it's sort of like it's that kind ca- of death yeah yeah it's causing death
2: yeah it's, it's just crazy yeah but these are people that don't believe in probably science and statistics they're just sort of like you know you just got to pull up your bootstraps and you got to just deal with it death is part of the streets yeah you know but it's yeah like, and, no and, there's and
7: actually
4: a science to this let we us make our apps and we'll fix the streets man yeah that's their <laughs> solution yeah
7: so yeah the, the oh, tech yeah. folks out there it, it would be nice if there were some policy around you know improving streets for cyclists as you know the same kind of laws that apply to cars and car usage is not across the board. When improvements are made, not included. In there, on, there on is in the complete. Realm, I mean,
2: there like. is a complete streets policy in California. I guess it doesn't have a lot of teeth. Yeah. But I've I've read that that we do have a complete streets policy, and uh, there's just a lot of ways to get out of doing it. Um, but we really need to reach the type of policy. It's a web of policy enforcement, engineering that uh, places like the Netherlands have solved. You yeah, know, it's like yeah. strict liability where the largest vehicle is the most culpable. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and those okay. kind of things really, yeah. that's what we need here.
4: Bike Talk listeners, we need you to go to uh, your neighborhood council meetings and talk to your city council people. Yeah. We got to get together.
2: We gotta infiltrate. Yeah, infiltrate. <laughs> like we're is there some <laughs>
4: nefarious thing. Where because we're we're not we're outsiders. Even in your own neighborhood, if you're infiltrating your own neighborhood this council, it's a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah, no, but that's, that's the jumping off for another bike talk. Yeah, I think we're gonna wrap up here because Nick was saying uh, we're out of time. Kaput? Oh. Uh, so Nick's, thanks, guys.
3: Nick's making and a th- slashing
4: you,
2: throat. Whoa, this Nick, why are you getting so violent? We
3: had a great show. We have uh, in the studio Don Ward and uh, Sean Meredith.
2: Sean Meredith, father, activist.
3: Yeah. And Claude Gishian, Bike Whisperer. Oh, the Sounds Bike good. Whisperer. That's my title.
2: <laughs> that's what the LA Weekly called me, the, the Bike Whisperer. I <laughs>
3: can't remember his name right now. Oh, you're already Herpes- the Bike Whisperer?
2: <laughs> Aaron, um, the Ed guy Erich. who got booted who, off who the got, they, the they got, got him. To, <laughs> they got him to
4: stay and then they booted him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think there was some um, kind Hillel. of yeah, – Hello, Aaron. That's, a, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> uh, that's so sad. Everybody's <laughs> just getting couch.
3: chopped. Thanks,
5: guys.
3: And out. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bike Talk. If you want to hear more go to kpfk.org navigate to programs and choose bike talk on the bike talk page click on the archives link to play or download shows posted in the last four months go to biketalk.com and copy or click on the rss link to subscribe our twitter handle is bike talk pfk on facebook we are bike talk you can become friends and join our group